Hi, welcome to the cottage. We are a lively outpouring of an exciting adventure into God's riches and glories in Christ Jesus. We really work to activate an excitement for the kingdom of God as it is in the now until it comes into its fullness. We invite you to our sessions to explore the heights and depths of God's love in a fuller bandwidth. I'm Dr. Ken, the pastor of a small independent church seeking to return to the Lord's zeal in times where apathy and lethargy rule the day of the complacent. We try to shake things up and offer a temporary home as we travel this sod until we reach higher ground and connect into the everlasting life from above, here on the earth as it is in heaven. For more information, you can email us at thecottage at dken.cc. That is thecottage at dken.cc. Welcome back to The Cottage. We're continuing our series on the Songs of Ascents. We're in the first psalm, and we're finishing repentance in Psalm 120. And we left off with Hebrews 12 last time, and before that we were into the Hebrew word tzada, and so we're going to continue our work there. Remember, the first psalms that we're talking about are Psalms 120 to 124. These first five of the 15 are about going up to Zion and so we're heading up toward Zion as we make this climb and we noted that Psalm 120 was about obviously was about <clears throat> excuse me Psalm 120 was about repentance or contrition and the first verse is a song of degrees in Psalm 120. In my distress, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. And we featured that idea of distress and few, in the previous episodes, and so we went through that, that whole idea of distress and the Hebrew word for distress in Psalm 120 is tzara. Now, if we were to look at the Greek, the Greek translation of the word distress as it was translated from the Hebrew tzada into the Greek it's thalipsis, a very common term in the New Testament uh, that some have delved into and I'd like to turn to when Jesus uses the term in John 16:33. and John 16:33 says these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace and in the world you shall have tribulation but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. That's John chapter 16, verse 33, where Jesus at the end of his life, and John slows it down and gives us the final moments of, of the final week of Jesus and really narrows down his final hours. And in verse 33, he talks about that in this world, what happens? And so we have these things I have spoken to you, that in me, Jesus says to his disciples, ye might have peace. Jesus promises peace. The world, he says, the world promises tribulation. That's that word thalipsis that is the translation of the Hebrew word tzara in Psalm 120 verse 1. When the Greek authors chose to, translators chose to translate tzara, they use the very word that John is using. And so the idea here is obviously that as we make this ascent and we're turning away from the world, the world behind me, the cross before me, we have this idea 
that the world promises tribulation. Zara, this distress. And we know that. And we're trying to help you in this series understand there was a, another technical difficulty in the recording last night of the preaching, so I'm just doing a teaching this morning to get the main points. Jesus promises us peace. The world is all about tribulation, and we have got to seek higher ground and get closer to him to get into that peace. We must ascend to our higher calling in Christ Jesus to obtain peace in this time of tribulation. We talked about in Second Timothy how things are waxing worse and worse, but we as the godly, we must live as godly. We are the believers, and we must live and be godly while the world gets worse. And so how do we take that? We take the higher ground. And Jesus, notice in this verse, it says that Jesus promised. He says, in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Notice Jesus overcomes the world. And that's what he's come to do. He's come to transform the world, to bring the whole world to repentance, to change the world. The God of this world offered Jesus the uh, kingdoms of this world. And Jesus said, no, I will not have them as they are. I will do something else by giving my life away. And in giving my life away, I will receive them through repentance and the change that, and the great exchange that happened on the cross. Notice Jesus overcomes the world, but he did not promise that we would be without tribulation, which is something that a lot of people have struggled with that we in this world have tribulation jesus promised we would have tribulation in this world we have distress we go through tzada we're dealing with the ellipsis we're dealing with these things and it's very difficult for us and but we understand that that's what this world has to offer and many times jesus to get away from the uh, stress of ministry went off alone to pray to the Father. And so we've got to make this climb. We've got to turn away from the world and turn to Jesus. The world promises tribulation. Jesus said, I've overcome the world, but he never claims that we are without tribulation. As a matter of fact, just by example, the same word is in Acts 14.22. In Acts 14.22, what were they were doing as they were traveling about planting churches in the book of Acts. They were, Acts 14.22, confirming the souls of the disciples. Who are we talking about? The disciples. They're planting churches. They're confirming the souls of disciples. And what else are they doing for the disciples? They're exhorting them to continue in the faith. That means some have started in the faith, and they need to be exhorted to continue in the faith because they can leave the faith. And I've never taught that anyone can lose their salvation. I don't understand it like that. But it's the concept of believing loyalty uh, that Dr. Michael Heiser uh, has done well with teaching. The idea that we continue in believing loyalty. We did Hebrews 12 last time. And in Hebrews 12, it talks about the sin, the one sin that can so easily beset you is to quit, to give up, to leave your faith. And he's talking about here is to continue in the faith. And there was a struggle for them that they could possibly turn to the things of this world. But Jesus has promised that he's overcome the world and he's coming back and he's going to be 
over the entire world. And so what we're talking about here is that we must continue in the faith. And it's it's all through the book of Hebrews. Uh, the other general Catholic epistles in the Bible talk about this a lot, about continuing in the faith, those letters in the back. And here it is right here in the book of Acts that we must continue in the faith. And they're being urged to continue in the faith as if it's possible that they would not continue. And we're talking about making a climb. And I said one of the first things is to repent is to turn from the world and to make this climb. But to make this climb, it's easy to quit. It's easy to go part way up and decide it's too much, cost too much, turn away, turn back. And Jesus said you got to count the cost because you might turn away. And we discussed that in previous uh, teachings and sermons. And that we must through much tribulation. We're in Acts chapter 14 verse 22. And that we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. Through much tribulation, thinking about a baby, how a baby's born, how through all that a baby goes through, how all that happens. You know, my mother said that uh, the three of her children, we were all fast, where uh, my brother-in-law, his mother spent hours and hours and hours <clears throat> with him. And so there's this idea of much tribulation that enters in and there are times of grand tribulation that cause us and so again jesus said look what they did to me your master if they did that to me your master who is god what will they do to those who follow me to come after me and deny themselves and take up the cross and that's what he asks us to do invites us in luke 9 to do to come after him and to follow him and to deny ourselves as he denied himself, and to take what he took, and to live for the kingdom. And that kingdom living is so powerful. And so it comes ultimately down to defying gravity, that we are climbing this mountain. As I keep telling stories about my wife pushing me up that mountain, we are defying gravity. We are making an ascent. We're going up when everything else is going down, and it's very difficult. And so it's very treacherous, and I have many times in my life faced challenges uh, where I was climbing and could have easily have fallen and died in different situations. And uh, in southern Illinois, the Garden of the Gods, or in uh, Kentucky, I, I had several incidents and could have easily died, but uh, God protected me, and it's not easy to make these climbs, even in the Himalayans in Asia, climbing those mountains. It's it's not easy. And any time you can make a misstep and it could cost you severely. And some have paid that price with injuries that they spend the rest of their lives with or they end up dying and they're, they're gone because of that accident. And so it's very treacherous to make this climb when you're going against the world. Paul experienced that with the Corinthian church explaining that all of his trials that he went through, all the tribulation he went through, and the persecutions that he, he catalogs over and over again and for the Corinthian church to let them know that it's all about this tribulation that we are facing in this life as we try to enter into the things of God. And it's not going to be easy, but we must continue in the faith, Acts 14 22 continue in the faith and make this climb because it's worth it to get to the things of god now that that's just a brief survey of the idea slipsis which is the lipsis is the uh, greek word that was translated by the greek 
author, uh, translators of the Septuagint, when they translated the Bible about 250 years before Jesus, they translated the Bible from uh, Hebrew into Greek, and they chose for tsara, which is the Hebrew word for distress in Psalm 120, verse 1, into thlipsis, and that was just a brief uh, survey of some of the uses of thlipsis in the New Testament. So, let's get back to Tsada, though. Tsada in the Bible, there's several other places I want to just take a peek at. And we don't have time, but this would be worth you to digging out more. Maybe we'll dig out more later. But Tsada in the Bible, uh, the same word that is used in Psalm 120, verse 1, for distress, also appears in Genesis 35, 3, where Jacob is heading east while he sees the stairway to heaven and he sees the angels of God coming up and down. And we've talked a great deal about going east and what that represents opposite the way that God intended with the sun and the model that we have of traveling westward as the sun travels westward. But the, the whole world has turned east, those worshiping the S-U-N sun and Ezekiel when God leaves the temple. We're also facing east. So Jacob here is being exiled, just like Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden toward the east and east of Eden. And how going east represents, uh, you know, this this idea of, of going back to where the sun is, reversing things. And so Jacob is heading east, and eventually he's going to come back west, and he's going to part with his brother and head to his father's home and rekindle the mission that God had given him. But right now, he's fleeing east. But when he does so, he's also seen the stairway to heaven of angels coming up and down. And it's it's this ladder in the Hebrew Salam. And it's this ladder that's going up and down stairway. And people making an ascent and descent. And Jacob is definitely descending. And he says to God that I'm descending and I'm leaving your land. And I'm going to this foreign land from out of which you took Abraham. And I have to return there. Kind of like Jesus going into Egypt as a baby. Uh, Moses had to return to Egypt to bring the children of Israel out of the promised land. They had all gone down to Egypt with Joseph, and they needed to be brought back. And the same thing is our idea of the exiles singing these psalms, praying these psalms about returning westward to Zion, to Jerusalem. And so you have this uh, idea that to go east is Sada, and, and Jacob is in such terrible danger, running from his life, fear for his brother to kill him and has nowhere else to go, but he says to God, I will make you my God, I will give you a tithe of everything if you bring me back here, and God brings Moses back to the location of the burning bush to be at Sinai uh, in those mountains, those same similar mountain ranges, brings him back to the, where God had met him in those very mountains to meet him at Sinai to the people could worship. And they do in Exodus 24. They get on top. Some of the people representative of the entire congregation are able to meet with God on the mountain. And so we're making this ascent. But it's Sada. It's this distress that, that we're talking about. This idea of going east and how that represents Sada. And in Genesis 42:21, Joseph, when he was betrayed by his brothers into slavery in Egypt, it's described that Joseph experienced Sada when they threw him in the well. And he's betrayed by his own. And it models what Jesus was betrayed by his own. To get on the cross and to defeat death for us and his experiences. And so we have the same idea going on here in Tzada. And the betrayal of loved ones who don't understand when you're trying to follow the ways of God. And follow him 
and you end up in Sada uh, because of this world. And in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 19, when the people reject God as their king, Samuel says, you're headed for Sada. Again, the world only offers Sada. And so Sada is, is there when the people reject God as their king. They're in Sada. And so this is the idea that we have here um, as the people uh, reject God. And we reject the things of this world through repentance and turn toward God and making this ascent in our daily life. Uh, and as we head out uh, in these days of Lent, as we head out toward the cross, toward Holy Week, toward Easter and the Resurrection, we want to reverse Sada. We want to reverse this Sada. We want to reverse and move toward the things of God. And they are moving away from God in 1 Samuel 10 when they reject him and ask for king, just like everybody else, for someone else to rule. And they get their Saul, and it's not necessarily what God had planned or intended, but it's what they wanted, and they then realized they had made their mistake later on. And... Part of that continues in 1 Samuel 26, verse 24. 1 Samuel 26, verse 24, David's last recorded words that I uh, noticed to Saul when he talks to Saul, and he's like, why have you brought Sada on me? You're, you're, you're preventing me. Uh, you're not allowing me or my family to be in the land of God, and he has to go off to the Philistines. And you're not allowing me to worship God. You, you're separating me from God, and, and you're my own brother. You're my father-in-law your family you're my fellow israelite you're my king you're my leader you're god's anointed and you are forcing me away from the things of god and i have to be in exile and david is able to return later but he was in sada because he was uh, cut off from god and not able to worship god because he was outside god's holy land and not able to participate in worship being in the land of the Philistines, his parents in the land of Moab, not able to properly worship God, and in the land of, of, of where they worship other gods. And he's cut off, he's in Tzada. This uh, further is modeled in Psalm 22, uh, verse 11, where the psalmist cries out about being in Tzada, that, that trouble is near. And if trouble is near, then where is God? Has God forsaken me? And does God meet me in my trouble because I'm separated from God? And David was experiencing that same thing with Saul. And then the psalmist in Psalm 22, incidentally what Jesus is uh, praying and meditating on, singing, uh, per se, uh, on the cross. Uh, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Because trouble is near. But uh, Sada is near. Sada. Distress. Uh, and it goes on in Jonah, chapter 2, verses 3. Jonah experiences the same thing when he jumps into the water, is thrown in the water, and he dies and goes to Sheol. And God has to raise him from the dead inside the, the belly of that whale and bring him back. And Jesus says in Luke eleven twenty nine that I'm going to give you the sign of Jonah, Sada, that you're going to think that you put me in Sada as David did it was in Sada because of Saul. They're going to put Jesus in Sada. Just like Saul did David, they're going to do the same with Jesus. And yet he says this sign, when you bring Sada on me and you destroy me uh, and push me down and force me, it's only going to cause me to come back and rise from the dead. And Jesus gave that powerful testimony just as Jonah was 
brought back on mission for the repentance of many, the saving of many, even the fact that Jonah saved those Ninevites that are not Israelites, and Jesus and the mission has reached the Gentiles. It's it's all spoken of here in Luke eleven twenty nine so beautifully, and then in Zechariah ten eleven we have that also in Luke thirteen twenty four more Sada that is depicted and this this constant tie in that your New Testament is constantly turning back to the Old Testament and tying into these terms and 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 really digging into what's going on here, and so those are some of the things that we find that's going on. And this psalm is inviting us to experience what they experienced and help them to draw close to God. And such the fact that in Psalm 22:11, Jesus knows Sada. You know, he's a man of sorrows, but he is bearing our sorrows. And he knows our sorrows. And he even experiences death just as we experience death. And it does not end there because the power of God in the resurrection. And so that's what we're headed for, but God knows intimately our pain because he experienced, he knows our sada. And so you're going to have sada, and it's going to be difficult to climb. Going up against gravity is tough. Uh, going up against the things of this world, and even in the ancient world, the understanding of the powers of the air, it's almost like, you know, the the quarterback flipping you the ball and you've got to get to the end zone and you got to get through all those defenders and tacklers and you got to fight through and squeeze and press to get across to the finish line to the end zone and score the touchdown and so it's very difficult like the camel being thread through the eye of a needle you've got to get through and you've got all of those enemies that are trying to prevent you from crossing that line and when you pray or even in some Eastern church ideas uh, that when you die and your spirit goes up, it still has to go through all those things that have not been repented of. You still have to fight your way toward in making your ascent and your climb in the heavenlies uh, due to all the things that you've not repented of. There's still going to be a fight of all those evil spirits that had control or had dominion on you that you'd given them place in your life that are going to make it difficult for your spirit to go from here to there and make that ascent. And it's kind of modeled in these prayers that they're realizing the dangers to go up and realizing that, you know, Joshua only went up halfway. Uh, Moses got to go all the way and, and the Jews... Uh, have it that Moses not only got to go up all the way, but he ascended all the way up into heaven itself in the apocalypse of Moses. In the ancient text, Abraham made that journey up, all the way up. And it's amazing to see how Abraham was looking down upon the stars and considering them as he's in the presence of God. And how people make those ascents and they get there. Paul was also in the third heaven in Second Corinthians 12, likewise. And found it very difficult to through Sada, through much difficulty to make that ascent. And it was very difficult as he battled the things and all this persecution and all this suffering and the messenger of Satan with the thorn in the flesh of persecutions and things preventing him from ministry. But, you know, back in Acts 14.22, he preached that uh, through much tribulation, it causes us to go through that we and others might enter into the kingdom of God. 
uh, because that's what's happening. Just like when D-Day and the Allied forces landed on the beach at Normandy and how much they went through to get all the way to Berlin and to end the war. And so that's what we're looking at. We're looking at this entire campaign that we're in of going through all these things so that we reach our point. And so this is just the final step of step one, the final part to step one of repentance, of turning away from the things of this world, knowing it only offers uh, tribulation. It only offers trials of pain. But to turn away is to fight through all of this pain, just like a cancer patient fights all the way through the cancer treatments uh, so they can ring the bell and be free. And so we're making a scent, and there's a lot of things that are attached to us that's very difficult to get purified, to get consecrated, to get, uh, you know, to understand what God's calling us to. And it's it's very difficult. It's not easy at all. And that's why it's deception. And that's why, again, Acts 14.22 said that, hey, uh, I need to encourage you to continue in the faith because there are many who decide to quit, who do not want to make this climb. And that's why the book that we've been using is an aid to this study. Uh, to go along to supplement what we're doing is Dr. Eugene Peterson's book on a long obedience. It's not easy to maintain that and to fall sometimes as I fell, but I'm alive and I made it. And sometimes we don't achieve. And remembering that we have all those false summits, we think we've reached somewhere and we get up there and wow, we're just so rejoicing in the summit we've just made and then realize that, hey, we haven't reached to where God wants to take us yet, because he wants to take us higher. And so the exhilaration of achieving that summit, but thinking that that's all God intended when God has so much more, and we're looking for that more to go higher. So we hope that this is um, this is not quite the preaching that we did last night uh, because of the technical difficulties, but hey, this is the teaching, and we pray that you got this revelation that you use these as footholds on your way upward to experience all that God has for you as we make these climbs. Uh, we're getting ready next to move on to the next steps, and we're going to start uh, dealing with the Psalms. You're familiar with the next one, Psalm 121, a lot of people are familiar with, and we're just going to start making these steps one by one, all 15 of them, to get ahead of Lent, to get ready to enter into Holy Week and what God has for us in this Easter season. So God bless you. We hope you're enjoying his word and that it meaning something for you and that you understand that through much sada that uh, we can enter into the things of God simply by repenting from the things of this world and turning away from them, knowing that to say no to all that is to say yes to him. And yes, one step at a time, I'm going to make this climb. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. You can find out more about us at dken.cc. That's D-K-E-N dot C-C. We look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you.